Hey, this is former Blue Devil O-Lyman Matt Skura. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Duke, go ACC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been a week or two. Uh, stuff has happened since the last time we uh, we talked. Should we uh, bring somebody on to talk about it? Dan Rubin's back. Hey, Dan. Welcome back. welcome back, Dan. I got kicked out to the garage, guys, because I was too loud when we were doing the last show. So we are uh, we are recording this one in the Rubin family broadcast studio known as the garage. Joey, I, I was going to say, this is like our third Boston College podcast in like the last two and a half weeks. You sound surprised saying that. This has always been a Boston College podcast. So That's I, right. I don't know, you know, yeah. noted BC Boston podcast, College Homer. BC Podcast ACC, baby. Noted noted Boston College Homer. Mike McDaniel is a co-host here. Um, I've always loved them. You know. <laughs> Dan, welcome back. Uh, last time we talked was shortly in the wake of Jeff Halfley announcing his, uh, I guess we'll call it his resignation. He was going to be leaving Boston College to go to uh, Green Bay to be the defensive coordinator for the Packers, which put Boston College in kind of an oddly timed coaching search. Um, and and one of the things we talked about when we discussed was potential candidates. And you were pretty staunch at the time. And of course, you, for the people that are unaware, this is their first podcast, whatever. Dan is an employee of the, the athletic department. So there's only so much he can say. There, there's, um, there, there's certain ways you got to address things. But at the time, you seemed very uh, not non-confident of what direction this whole coaching search was going to go. It was kind of weird timing, uh, different athletic director than when Jeff Halfley was hired. One of the names that we brought up was Bill O'Brien, who has since now been announced as the full-time head coach moving forward for the Boston College Eagles. Um, I guess, Dan, what was your initial reaction when you heard that? Was Were you surprised at all? Were you... Uh, was that just totally expected? You know, were you happy, excited? Were you like kind of concerned? What was your initial feeling coming out of that announcement when it happened from Boston College? I think it was, I honestly do think it was confusion. I think it was a little bit of confusion, a little bit of uh, excitement. There was a lot of excitement to this, that it happened so quickly, uh, but the, the pace and the tempo of everything left me a little, like I was still trying to wrap my head around the fact that they were going to have a new coach, try to figure out, okay, what happens with the assistants? They named uh, Paul Rhodes to be the the interim, and he was kind of taking over the administrative duties. The, you know, the portal thing opens, and who's going to leave? Do you lose your quarterback? Like the, and, and I remember when I talked to you guys, it was what twenty. It was in the first 24 hours, and these were all the same questions that I had virtually looking at you and saying, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and the news cycle was going to change day to day, and and you know, people will, will talk on it and be like, "Well, this is what we knew was going to happen, and this is what we nobody knew what was going to happen." It was it was so played so tight that even the people who I would who I would look at and say, "What what what's going on?" Like uh, just from an informational standpoint, like what's uh, you know what do we what's what's out there? What's known? What's you know? There were so many different reports; it was almost impossible to follow. And then we wind up in a situation where by the end of a weekend you hear that they're interviewing, um, you know, they, they interviewed, I think it was six to, or 10 candidates, whatever it was 
from that moment, it moved quickly to pare the list down to in person to continue going. I don't know when Bill O'Brien kind of came up. I, I, it does not sound like based off of everything that he was the target. He was not the initial target. I don't think they had an initial target when they started the interviews. I think that the applicant pool, from what I've been told and, and what we've heard, was very deep. And when the job opened, he was actually told by a lot of people, including his wife, as he mentioned today, hey, you should really you should really look at this one. This one could be uh, this one could be the right fit. And then he established himself as kind of the front runner candidate. And they looked at a couple of other people along the way. And and the athletic director, Blake James, said today, uh, you know, this was this was a guy who the first time he talked to him, he started to differentiate himself. And then it became clear after conversations that he was he was the guy it. I don't know. I think it, it benefited that the announcement came a week before they had to before he had the, the introductory press conference, which if we're recording on a Thursday it was today. Uh, we had about a week because he had the ACC meetings that he had to get to. So it allowed you to kind of let the dust settle, figure out what was going on and and the fact that your quarterback was staying and everything else kind of had to peter down over the course of a week. But it went week to two weeks, but it was it was confusion. Then it was excitement. Now it's now it's energy. There's a lot of energy in the program right now, and I think that it is a continuation of the energy that had been built under Jeff Halfley. It's not a reboot. It's not a reset. It's not anything like that. They're going to try and take what he was building and continue to build on it using a using a new program. Feels like. You know, Bill O'Brien emerges as the guy, right? And it feels like, you know, he, he was just announced as the OC at Ohio State like a month ago. What was your favorite and play that Bill O'Brien called I, at Ohio State? Yeah. What was your favorite recruit that he called? Like Spider I, I two wide banana. Yeah. He ends up in just like a job I do feel like is tailor made for him, right? I mean, he's from, he's, he's, you know, cut his teeth in the New England area. He's coached for Belichick a couple different times, including this past season. And he's had success at the college level too, right? So, like, he's had the success at the NFL level. He just engineered two offenses at Alabama within the last few years that, you know, were scoring 40 points per game. Like, he, he won Bryce Young a Heisman Trophy. Ryan Day is obviously no dummy, right? Bringing Bill O'Brien in. This guy can obviously still coach at the college level. I almost feel like BC might have upgraded here a little bit. I think there's the potential for it. I think that it's also a different style of coach. Uh, the the one thing that that needs that kind of needs to be said, and again, this was addressed today, which was uh, in the press conference, which was that Bill O'Brien said couldn't have thanked Ryan Day enough for for being patient while the process was playing out, understanding what he was doing, understanding what was happening. I personally don't think it hurt that Ryan Day was an offensive coordinator at Boston College and had coached at BC a couple of times. And on top of that was probably one of the nicer, better coaches that when I say nice Nice guy, great coach, local guy. Like he, he. When Jeff Halfley took the job, the fact that he was coming from Ohio State, like Ryan Day, pretty much sold him on BC. Said like, this is a great place. This is this is where you'll be happy. And you know the, the people like he sold Jeff Halfley on it a, a bit. And when Bill O'Brien was going to to look at the BC job, 
uh, he mentioned that Ryan Day was patient and and embraced the the process, and and I think that's part of what made it such an easy move or easy decision. I also think that there is an upgrade in there, and that's not a knock against Jeff Halfley by any stretch of the imagination. The term that I used was BC is shaking Sinatra's hand. This is like when you hear the term in Vegas, he shook Sinatra's hand. It was one of those. It was the group of guys in Vegas that worked with Sinatra. They were, you know, you should, it's the line from oceans 13. You should know better. You shook Sinatra's hand when they say that, like that's the special thing. This is a coach who coached Tom Brady and coached with Bill Belichick. No matter how you try to slice the fact that they didn't win the Super Bowl, thanks a lot, New York Giants, but they, he shook Sinatra's hand. And BC, no matter what happened with the Patriots last year, wound up in a position where they were able to hire a head coach who won four division championships with the, uh, with the Houston Texans who stabilized the the Penn State program after that horrible disaster uh, of 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 the end of Joe Paterno that was he he was the guy who stepped in and and fit and fixed the program cleaned it up after that mm-hmm. and w- with the Sandusky scandal and you have that coach here who coached Sh- it, it, he Martin's there. hand Dan yeah. <laughs> Nick Saban I, yes. I coach for Saban. Saban. Exactly. He's been he's been to the mountaintop with the best coaches in football history. And you're getting him? You take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not a yeah. it's not a knock against anybody. You're taking that guy when he's ava- if he's available and he wants to come, you're taking him. It's it is funny to me hearing you say, Dan, that he he was not like the initial focus of the search. Because this did take probably the, the better part of a week, maybe even a little bit more than a week, if I'm trying to remember right, of the After timeline. We of, yeah, yeah, of how long this all took. And yet there were like three separate occasions that I feel like I saw things of like Bill O'Brien is like the, the main target of this search. And then it came back like they're going to interview some more candidates. And then it was like Bill O'Brien is the main candidate for Boston College. And oh, they've got other interviews scheduled this weekend. And it was like, I guess I don't know if you have any insights on like what what happened there or what the meaning of all that was, but it was just kind of odd to me that, yeah, like this is where they ended up. And it seemed like they were they were uh, uh, forecasting this or kind of telegraphing it, you know, almost a week ahead of time. And yet they kept seemingly interviewing other candidates. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't think that Bill O'Brien was necessarily that close to be when they when the when the initial reports were coming out on whatever it was Sunday, it was, oh, Bill O'Brien's going to it's going to be wrapped up. I don't think he was the top candidate at that time. Like I, I objectively don't think that personally. I, I don't was doing some work. <laughs> I don't. Well, the thing, the thing is, is based on based on what what Bill O'Brien today said. He was like he when he came to do interviews or he was coming back home to Massachusetts. He was driving from Columbus, Ohio. So to me, it's driving? he. He said he literally got in the car and drove from Columbus, Ohio, back to Massachusetts. That's and because then turned he around knew. And drove back. That's because he knew he wasn't going back. <laughs> So, so I'm a man who knows he's not going back. He drove both places. I'm telling you, so you can't tell me. You can't tell me the guy was inches away from signing if he was in a car somewhere near Buffalo, New York. Like the, my only argument, okay. my only argument for that is, if that is his personal car that he's driving back from Columbus to the Massachusetts area, right, and, and like to, back to BC, 
that's a sign of a man who knows he is not going back to Columbus. Like, yeah, if he's yeah. flying to Massachusetts, right? If he's flying to Massachusetts and his personal car is in Columbus, Ohio, right? That's a sign of a guy who is not going well, back his, to Columbus. To be to be fair, his family was still out here. So there was a... That's another question I had. Do you still keep, they were, you keep the house? Do you keep the house, house so the family, he was always going to keep his family. When he was at Alabama, I believe his family stayed up here. And he does have a kid who has uh, he does have a son, a kid, his son's 21 years old. He has a he has a son who has a medical condition who I'm sure, you know, stays with family up here was wasn't at the press conference today. I, I can't speak to any part of that, like the experience they have with very with serious, that. very serious yeah. and unique medical condition. Yeah. Right. So his family stayed here when he was. At, but I do know that based on what the Boston Globe was reporting, uh, Trevor Haas wrote a really good story about the whole thing on the Boston on the Boston Globe. He um, he was looking at houses when the when he got the call to you know start the process of the BC was open. So he was looking. I don't think he was as close as people on Sunday were saying, like Sunday Monday. I don't believe it was that close. I really don't. At a person, like I said, I don't have any information. The information was kept tight to the vest the whole way and. I was trying to find information and I couldn't get it. Like people who, like it was a really close to the vest, and because I don't think, just from just from watching coaching searches around the country, when names leak out, if it doesn't happen, like UMass basketball had this happen where they had a coach who was literally at the press conference, who was ready to walk out on stage, and then didn't take the job. Like you, until the ink is dry on the contract, saying that it's inches away or that it's going to happen or this, it just doesn't work for me personally. And there really were no indications that like it was coming that quickly. So, and uh, and and to be fair, they had to go through their due, due process. You have to make sure it all lines up. I think the process moved incredibly fast, but I also know that there were a lot of candidates that were interested. There were, you know, 10 candidates that interviewed. I wish I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when the committee got together because they, when it happened, they started moving quickly, but I don't think it was 48 hours later. They're like, we're going to get Bill O'Brien. I think they had to go through seeing how much he had the, seeing how much he wanted to come to this job, seeing how, seeing if he was the right guy. I mean, there are plenty of coaches out there that who are, tremendous coaches who might not be the right guy for a particular program and they have to establish that they are good for that unique type of program and that they can succeed under the auspices that the university is going to set forward because not everybody's gonna you know the the best coaches for a boston college and the best coaches for an army or a best coach for an alabama or a texas are not compatible with one another to a degree and you have to figure out how compatible they can be before you run and make that type of financial commitment that you're going to have to make to a coach for X amount of years. What do you feel like? I mean, we talk about how we think it. We think it's an upgrade in terms of just like you talk about very different coach, right, from Halfley. What do you feel like the biggest differences are? Because like I. I'll say like Halfley elevated the program from a recruiting standpoint in ways that we really hadn't seen Boston College recruit really ever. And now you have a guy in Bill O'Brien who 
you know, recruited well at Penn State in a different era of college football. I mean, it seems preposterous to say that because it's like within the last 15 years. But it's like, you know, it's like basically when Jesus walked the earth 15 years ago in this sport. Um, a very different era of college football. He recruited well. And then like he recruited well at Bama. But that was say, I mean, yeah, Saban that that recruits itself. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to recruit well for Bama. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and the same thing would have happened at all for Bama. And the same thing would have happened at Ohio State with Ryan Day. It would have been the same thing. So, I mean, how do you think this is going to look from a recruiting standpoint relative to Jeff Halfley? And then from a coaching standpoint, X's and O's wise, what do you think the biggest difference is going to be other than, you know, obvi- the obvious, which is experience and who he's coached with in the past? Uh, the recruiting part, I think, is the is is kind of the easiest thing to answer because he, he, he said you got to embrace it. Like, you got to embrace the whole process now. You've got to embrace all the different pieces of it. And and to a degree, I think that feels to a lot of people who hear that, like Jeff Halfley, who readily said, you know, uh, you know, this was not what he got into. Co- like he, he said it a couple of times, like this was not what he expected when he got into co- coaching college or came back to college and not what he maybe would have wanted, but it is the landscape and that you do like, he said that I know in interviews, I think he said it on, you know, podcast interviews and, you know, there, there are reports that he said it on the way to the Green Bay Packers, you know, that that was something that was a part of it. And and I don't know how much I believe versus disbelieve it. I think that my conversations with him and interviews with him made me feel like he he enjoyed the process. But indeed, it, it, you know, it was it was a lot more than even when he came back to Ohio State. Uh, that said, it wasn't that he didn't embrace it. It's that it was a part of it that maybe developed more and more over time and if you're any college coach and you can't handle or embrace the era of which we live in then you're not going to want to coach college football anymore the part of it that i will say that kind of makes me interested in what's going to happen is how you know coach o'brien said i you know you got to embrace it and if you don't embrace it what are you doing like you, you, you then don't be then don't do this is that with the collective and and getting it stood off the ground is that he's coming into a situation where the collective exists and he is going to come into a situation in NIL where it is it's not new it, it we don't know what's going to happen with it but it's not new so what happens from here what happens with how much money gets raised who wants this who wants that that much I don't know I know that BC will never be a place that you know, if you have a kid who just wants $150,000 or, you know, a suitcase in a, in a car, uh, you know, that kid's probably not coming to Boston College anyway. Like that, that kid was never coming to Boston College in the first place. That kid was never going to be recruited for BC. That kid was was not the material. And that's fine. Like I want to make clear that's that's not high horse Boston College. That is that's fine. That's that's totally fine. If he finds a program that's like that, I think that's great. The majority I, I, of the ACC. <laughs> I think, yeah, I I think if you're a kid and you want and you just want one hundred fifty thousand dollars in a Maserati, go for it. Like, get you get whatever you can that you're more than that is your right to go do it. Boston College has always had the kids who are tough, diamonds in the rough. You know, ninety six Camry, baby. Yeah, we. You know what? You could take that Camry for two hundred fifty thousand miles, and it's been, it'll get you. It'll get you where you need to go. And so I think. That's always going to be the case from uh, and and you're going to get NFL players out of the deal like you're going to get first round picks. You're going to you just have to refine them a bit. And 
and you can win and you're gonna win, but it, you know, you know, that's, that's what BC's always been. Now I do think from a football standpoint, you're also going from a first time head coach who was, had a background in defensive backs to an offensive coach with head coaching experience who coached Tom Brady. So you're going to look very different. And whether or not that means you're going to look like a pro-style offense, a college, you are going to have concepts that were not used in the past. And not a knock, but you are going to have a very different football team next year because it's just what you're getting. And that is what I think is probably the most exciting part because of the pieces that are coming back is if Bill O'Brien can construct an offense around Tom Brady, very interested what he can do here. Now, granted, I could probably construct an offense around Tom Brady. Here, Tom, here's the ball. <laughs> Go win a Super Bowl. You Tom can do Brady it. could construct an offense around you, Dan. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a true. But you're getting you're getting Boston College level intelligence with a coach who is ready to build a team around the intelligent style. Like that's exciting to me. Yep. Yep. Dan, last thing I had for you. Uh, curious to know you said that you were at the intro press conference today just a few hours ago uh, any sort of other interesting little nuggets or anything else you have to share with us from what was discussed at that press conference or even things maybe anything you could allude to that maybe was said off the record uh, before or after that conference was was held I can tell you that I had a 10 to 15 minute conversation with Mike Reese from ESPN and he was excited and he was excited for BC, and he he was like, "Well, the joke is now." He goes, "Bill, Bill, who went to Brown, finally said, you know, hey, I got into BC. I did it, everybody." <laughs> and I was like, "That's a great line because he went to an Ivy League." <laughs> so, uh, but the the line that I the thing that I think I I love the most about the uh, about the intro press conference was just the I have never worked with Boston college football at a time when the coach was a Boston guy. Like there's a, there's a elements of Steve Adazio that where he was a new Englander, he was from Connecticut and, you know, played college football in Connecticut was a, was a Northeast guy. But then he, I mean, he was also a Florida coach and, you know, he was even as much as he was a Northeast guy, he, he wasn't a Boston guy. Like there's a, there is something to that. And Bill O'Brien is a like he, the the sense of humor, the the edge, like that is something that we have up here that he has, and the edge that he brings into a press conference and the intensity that he brings, like he is he's one of us. And for a football program that has not had that for decades, is that's a part of it that I think a lot of people are are going to get used to very quickly up here like he is his his wit his where he's from you're not going to be able to pull fast one on him up here I and mean, that's just not it's it's a whole new ball game and it is i felt like i felt like it was one of those where if i ask a wrong question i was like he all right i, I want to make sure i'm i know what i'm talking about and i know what i'm asking because not that i think he's going to rip my head off but you know he he has that r and that presence of one of those guys that was like Hey pal, what are you doing? Like, that's the, the this is the town. We are we are working with college football, the town edition. We're gonna. We, I can't tell you about it. 
But we're going to hurt some people. For a guy who has coached for Belichick, this is the last thing I have, and it's just kind of an add-on, right? Like, guy who's coached for Belichick, he's coached with Saban, he's led his own program at Penn State, he was a head coach in the NFL with the Texans. Um, cup of coffee with Ryan Day, obviously. It, he's in his mid-50s. This feels to me, Dan, I'm curious to see if you agree or, you know, if people kind of up there in in the Boston area agree with this. To me, this feels like a destination job for O'Brien. Like you see these coaches who go to these um, middle of the road power five schools, right? And in this day and age with NIL and recruiting, you know, coaches tend to look around maybe even a little bit more in the current state. I mean, we saw it today, right? Sean Elliott leaving Georgia State because, you know, we know that he's on the hot seat there. And, you know, he's leaving his head coaching job for an assistant coaching job at South Carolina. Position coach job. A position coach job. Not even like an assistant head coach job. Like a position coach job. And these guys are like resetting their clock, but he's also like because he's about to get fired there. But also he's complaining about NIL and everything else. And we're seeing that across the sport right now, right? But I think we're seeing less and less of guys like Bill O'Brien who are going into a situation and it just feels like, to me, this is like a destination job. This is like, if, it, if things go well, this is like a long haul hire. He can build the program how he wants to build it as long as he's making bowl games at minimum, which I feel like just with him as a coach and what BC has been and kind of what Halfley has left him, I feel like is a good runway to begin with. But this feels like this feels like his dream scenario at this point in his career. Do you agree with that? He said it was. And I know every coach says this is the job that I, you know, love or, you know, this is the place that I've always wanted to be. You know, every every intro press every intro press conference is the same thing. Like everyone says this is my dream job. But even even the, the last couple coaches too, like Steve Adazio said it was a dream job and and I believe it was for him to being a northeast guy. Jeff Halfley, it was his first job coming he wanted to come back to college he wanted to be in and I, I think that he joined up with bc to be there forever like he wanted to be there forever and and, and then the nfl came calling and it's really hard to turn that down and they they were he was open with the school i think the school was open with him they left it like i said they parted on really really good terms even like blake james said unless he's playing the minnesota vikings because he's a minnesota because blake's a james a minnesota vikings fan i wish him nothing but the best and i was sitting there thinking see i like that there's not enough of that in the modern era um but it's different it's different with bill o'brien i mean his kid goes to tufts i know i mentioned that his wife went to bc I think his sister-in-law went to BC. I think his niece went to BC. It's a guy who understands it. Like he understands Boston College, in because it's in his it's in his family. Like it's not like it's uh oh my, like you hear about that with West Point, right? Like guys go to West Point or they coach and like oh my family went here and I'm and it's in their blood. And to me, that's kind of the thing is he. Yeah, you go back even, he's in his 50s, and you go back even to when he was in high school at St. John's Prep. Like, St. John's Prep, barf, is the best high school 
program in Massachusetts. Barf. Why barf, Dan? Why? But because Malden Catholic went like six years without scoring a point against them. So, it's <laughs> <Dan's laughs> alma mater. But yeah, uh, not great. Uh, my, my beloved Lancers did not do good in those years. Um, but you know, it, but he gets it, and like you, you, he gets the he gets our weird traffic patterns. Like he understands this is what Boston College is, and family's here like his dad's still up here his dad was at the press conference his brothers were at the press conference like this is and i know a lot of them all show up but it's a little different when they're like not flying in from out of town and they're literally coming in from the cape like this is a this is a different attitude to this program that everybody who was there understood that like i said it's one of us it's not like it's and and like I said, he's coming from the Patriots, from a successful Patriots, not like the nineteen early nineteen nineties Patriots. Like he's coming from the Patriots, he's coming from uh, uh, you know having won in other places, and now he's coming home. Like this is for like for me, and and I understand this being from being from up here, and and I know other places in the country have that same feeling. You can't leave. Like it's it, it, you try really hard. But the big joke is that I, I moved, I, I left, I moved outside one highway. Like I moved one exit outside the wrong highway. And now I'm 25 minutes from the city and now I'm, I'm dead. I'm gone forever. But like, that's one of those things where you go out and you run into everyone, you know, and it's, it's it, all the, all the, the rumors and all the stories about Boston are true. And now one of our guys, one of our Boston guys is, uh, is our head coach. I just slipped my accent there. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I, I was saying, maybe it's the accent, Dan. But the way you describe him, I, I just assume he, he's a Duncan guy. I, I assume he is. Gotta be. You gotta go to Cumberland Farms to get the ninety-nine cent coffee. Although the Dunkings, Dunkings commercial, still not as good as the Casey Affleck uh, as the Casey Affleck uh, Christmas one. That's me. That was I know too many people from those commercials who will look exactly like that. Yeah, I wake up, have a pack of Parliaments, get a large coffee, have a crawler, and then. And <laughs> so, I, I wasn't sure if you were talking yeah. about an actual commercial or the Saturday Night Live skit because that yeah, was, that's it. The Saturday Night Live on. skit. Yeah, the Saturday Night Live skit. That was it. That was the yeah. uh, around Christmas time with Casey Affleck. Yeah, that's best part of my days when I'm at Dunkin'. Is that sad? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Mike, that's all I got for Dan. Anything else while we got him? I think we're good. Dan, appreciate it, man. All I know is all I know is I look forward to this year coming in and, and hopefully learning a whole bunch of Patriot stories that I can share with Mike. <laughs> you that's all access. I want. That's all I want, I want out of this. I want all of them. I want them all. I want to know if I want to know just just how good those teams really were, and then I could tell Mike that Mario Man was it Ma- Manningham with the sideline catch. I've kind of purged most of this from my memory. Yeah, that was that was Manningham. Yeah, yeah, he was he was definitely out of bounds. <laughs> I like that. I'll go with that version of history. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I mean, about it's not like it's not like <laughs> it's not like Kyle Shanahan in a big game, right, Joey? Dude, if I can't be happy, Kyle Shanahan should get, shouldn't get to be happy either. Like, I was a big old Chiefs fan there on Sunday, and fully satisfies the outcome. Like, I'm 100 percent satisfied watching him get his heart broken again. Yeah, he does. You know what the best part of all of this is too is that Bill O'Brien's first game. Now the because the schedule came out, 
Labor Day weekend at, at Florida State. Welcome. Win that game. He'll never buy a he'll never buy a Dunkin's coffee again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time. I mean, hey, it's the time to get him. Yep. Okay. It's the time to get him now. I returning a of bunch year, of Florida players. Uh, going to be a rebuild. Uh, you get him in the opener when they'll be unequivocally worse than they'll be in November. Second game of the year for Florida oh, State. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I'm sorry. Yes, second. Yeah, because Florida State goes and plays Georgia Tech in Ireland. Thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm. Yes, week two. Week Coming well, back from Dublin. Week one, but yes. <laughs> yep. That's our, and, and who are we all kidding? That's our country. That's a, that's that's Boston. Listen, I understand that we lost to Georgia Tech over there. I, uh, fourth and 26. <laughs> Man, I forgot about that one. Joey yeah. will never. Well, neither one of you will forget that one. I, I was in. I was in person on my honeymoon and could not believe Quay Cersei caught that ball. We don't need to talk about what condition I was in, but let's just say that there were a lot of emotions involved. <laughs> a, a significant amount of of uh, my went over my buddy's place, and he said that was the put. I think that might have been the day that we ordered pizza from the same place twice. You've told that story, yes. I think, on this podcast. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we were. Like yeah, that was that was a tough day. Everyone a took day. a nap. Yeah, what a day. But, hey, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what happens with the staff announcements that have come out. I'm looking forward to spring ball. And I, I know I said earlier it was a it was a lot of nerves and stuff. Hey, look, there's still nerves. They they still got to go out and prove it, and and they still got to go out and show what they got with a new coach and and make sure this all works. And yep. that's the exciting part of it to me is. Because we don't know what's going to happen, and I, we all expect it to go a certain way. We're all happy now, but you know, I've been happy before, and I've seen it go downhill before, and I've been happy before and seen it go well. So I'm, uh, I'm interested, and I'm in. Like I'm in with it. I'm, I'm, I'm bought in. I'm letting myself kind of get excited about it. And like I said, if I, I mean, I, I know I wrote it, but I was like. I know I've said it before that this coach at Boston College, this type of coach, when was the last time you had a guy who actively wanted? When was the last time you had a coach of this caliber with this resume? I don't think ever at yeah. BC. And that is not a knock against any coach they've ever had. I think you have to go back to maybe when Bob Cousy and Chuck Daly coached the ba- basketball team. Bob Cousy. Wow. Plumbers and firefighters, as JJ Reddick would say. Yeah. And Chuck Daly and Chuck Daly was not the uh, Chuck Daly of the Bad Boy Pistons by then. He was just a college coach, just a guy. <laughs> he was he was just a guy. Dan, really appreciate you coming on. You want to tell the people real quick where they can find your stuff? BCEagles.com and uh, on uh, Twitter slash X slash Elon Elon Fest. Uh, it is uh, at BC Dan Rubin. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be pumping out some content on there too, and the podcast for Boston is uh, it's name of it literally the podcast for Boston uh, is uh, the name of the podcast. That if you look up for the podcast based on for the team, which was Jeff Affley's big axiom on the uh, football program, that's what it was called on the under the the podcast for Boston. Uh, we get all the episodes there, and, and uh, with our interviews, players, 
<laughs> we were doing interviews with Coach Halfley last year. Maybe that's why he left. He was doing interviews with me. I mean, that's that's enough <laughs> to make you want to run back to the NFL. Um, but, you know, that we were on there. Um, we got some great stuff. Annabelle Hasselbeck, who's one of the lacrosse players, puts up uh, a lot of stuff you may conceivably recognize her last name is i recognize that last name yeah 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 Yeah. but she's family lineage there yes yes uh but she's on her and her sister are both part of the lacrosse team which is i think ranked number two in the country and number one hockey team so there's there's a lot of good stuff going on to to whet your appetite and i know when i'm done with you guys i'm probably gonna go back and try to figure out how the basketball team gets itself to 18 19 wins this year and gets itself into the nit because uh you know, hey, they're still playing basketball games too, and I'm uh, maybe looking forward to getting down at DC in March. I don't think my wife's going to let me. <laughs> <laughs> I've already it's been the shot. Though. It's where the shot. I'm out in the garage with my. I'm currently using a cozy coop as a footrest, and you guys can see my snow shovel and hockey skates over my shoulder. <laughs> Our conversations are so different than they were. <laughs> Way different. I have a cozy coop over here to my right, Dan. So yeah. it's yep. I'm not using it as a footrest, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm currently I'm currently in a cozy coop. Yeah, with uh with my feet. So yep, yep. That's uh. But yeah, hey, we got lawn equipment behind me. This is this is where we're at now. Life's funny that way. Sure is. <laughs> Dan, you're the best. Really appreciate it. You want to come back on uh, sometime soon? Talk more Boston College. The more the more stuff I find out, the more stuff I know. I will be more than happy to spend my evenings with you two fine gentlemen. There you go. Thank you, Dan. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Mike, that was Dan Rubin. What was your uh, what, what, any reactions that you had regarding the hiring of of Bill O'Brien? And you mentioned, and, and I think you and I kind of talked about this a little bit off air, but you know. You, you felt like this was a, a really strong hire for, for Boston College. Maybe not a full-on A-plus, but a, a pretty high on the spectrum? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a couple things, right? The thing Dan mentioned about Bill O'Brien, in Dan's opinion, and I don't and, – and Dan's going to listen back to this, and he knows I would tell him this to his face. I don't believe him for a second when he says he doesn't know for sure – if O'Brien was or wasn't a serious candidate when it was being reported. Dan's full of it. I know that he knew. Dan wouldn't have made that comment about, oh, I'm not sure O'Brien was like locked in as the guy at that time. I don't think he was their number one choice. Dan works for the athletic department. I know he's got some info there. Okay. I know he does. I personally was laughing at the idea of O'Brien getting in an 03 Honda Accord and driving back and forth from Columbus to Boston my uh, theory to, to interview as if my man who was a head coach of an NFL franchise for eight years has to slum it from Columbus to Boston. My theory <laughs> has the most, it holds the most water that he had his car in Columbus and he knew he wasn't going back. He that was my going, theory. That makes way more sense to me than well, we had to wait for him to drive Columbus to interview here to see if we wanted to have, like, come on. Are you 19, kidding me? <laughs> was this 1936? No. Um, no, no. I mean, that, that part of it, too, is pretty funny. I think I think if that story is actually true, that he was driving from Columbus, I do think it's because he knew he was taking the job and he was leaving Ryan Day and, and the Ohio State staff. Like, I think that's 
if that hap- if that actually happened where he was driving halfway across the country, not not halfway across the country, I guess, but he, if he was driving like 12 hours or whatever it is from Columbus to Boston or Chestnut Hill, you know, it's because he knew he was not going back to Columbus, right? He does not give the 03 to- Honda Accord Energy, though. Uh, that's right. I mean- that's very true. <laughs> uh, he does. Mid-50s, a uh, little bit of a curmudgeon. A little bit set, a little bit set in his ways. Uh Back to back to the other part of it though. I, I that was the most interesting piece to me was when Dan said that he doesn't think O'Brien was Boston College's first choice, and that's interesting to me because when we talked about candidates, you know, we've had a few different podcasts now um, we've, that we've talked about this Boston College search. You and I recorded one the night that it opened. We recorded with Dan the following night, where it was very early in the coaching search, obviously, and then we recorded with Dan this evening. Mm-hmm. You and I had that podcast where the two of us talked together about, you know, potential candidates and, you know, I threw out the, oh, the long shot candidate that nobody's talking about is Brian Flores. But the second name that I mentioned that I thought actually made a lot of sense was Bill O'Brien. He was like at the top of mind for me. So I'm curious who was at the top of mind for Boston College, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Who were they thinking of other than Bill O'Brien? I mean, I, yeah. I know like Al Washington was in the mix. He was on the prior staff. Maybe that was who they were thinking of potentially hiring. But if you have an opportunity to get Bill O'Brien with the experience that he's had, I think you have to go get him, right? And I think it, the hire ultimately made a lot of sense, and I think it's high upside because of all the reasons we just mentioned with Dan, he knows the area incredibly well from there, et cetera. Coach with Belichick. Like, I don't want to overrate coaching with Bill Belichick because NFL is very different from the college game. But I think it's important in this sense that like knowing Boston College's place, I mentioned this, uh, we we actually had a discussion about this um, on the prior podcast, but like, Having an understanding of Boston College's place in that market, I think, is really, really important. Not only for like the high schools, but understanding that like that's a pro sports town. Yeah, and hundred percent. From a marketing standpoint, and getting kids to come to your school standpoint for recruiting, you have to show why Boston College matters, right? You have to mm-hmm. show like why coming here is something that is in your best interest as a high school athlete whether you're from the New England area or not, like you've got to sell that university. And I think having an understanding of Boston College's place in a pro sports town, living it every day on both sides of the aisle, right? Living it on the New England Patriots side at the professional level, then living it on the flip side in Boston College at Chestnut Hill, like having that understanding, I think is really, really important. Yeah. The fact that well, he, the culture, the culture stuff that we can get into, like I, I think a lot of that stuff makes this, a hire that makes sense and then we'll see kind of what the ceiling is after that yeah i i mean and i mean i don't want to deny at all the fact that like bill o'brien is an aggressively boston man right like he was <laughs> yes. he was born in boston grew up there he coached for the patriots there for a long time he went to brown like he he has spent a lot of his life in boston like he gets the area he understands it he is of that area and and the thing that I mentioned to, to Dan, I think, was, you know, about him being a little bit prickly or being very direct, I think, as a person that 
it turned people off here in Houston when he was the the head coach of the Texans, and uh, and I think kind of gives people a, a certain idea. I think that style might play pretty well in Boston, actually. Like yeah. that direct personality and that that communication style, like actually might work pretty well there. That's fine. It's kind of what Dan said. With like, yeah. he's very, he's got like the Boston attitude in a way. Yeah for lack of a better term. A lot of the country sees that and thinks, oh, this guy's a jerk. But like the local media there is like, this is just how we talk to each other. Like that, that's fine. <laughs> like, you know, so that that's good. I guess the, the thing that I was curious to get your take on was, is, and my, I guess my initial reaction when I first heard, and, and I think when, and we alluded to this with, with Dan, the one of the first names that we heard that was a potential candidate or a front runner was Bill O'Brien. And when I heard that, my my antenna went up of like, this guy's agent works so much harder than anybody's agent out there, because it just seems like any job that comes available, college, NFL, head coach, coordinator, whatever. Bill O'Brien is interested in the job. That's been a constant thing for like four or five years now. And so there were there was an immediate like sense of like calling BS on it because it's like well of course he's interested because he's interested in everything and nothing and and his agent's just trying to get him a raise like did did you ever get that sense the way that I may maybe did I didn't only because of the thing I mentioned with Dan where like I thought that this was if he was going to be a head coach again pro level, college level, whatever. I mean, there would have been, I think at this stage, kind of where he's at, I think there obviously would have been more opportunities at the college level for him in terms of just being a head coach. Mm-hmm. If he was going to be a head coach at the college level, like this, I think, is the job that was tailor-made for him mm-hmm. in terms of like he sees it as a destination job. Dan got that sense. O'Brien said today, which in a lot of cases I don't put a whole lot of stock in because like Dan mentioned, Every coach always says that in the introductory press conference. This is where I want to be. This is my job, whatever. But like this job makes too much sense. Boston guy, all the reasons you mentioned, played at Brown, uh, has a kid at Tufts, born in Boston, raised kids in Boston, family still lives there, right? Um, You know, son who, you know, receives his medical needs at some of the finest hospitals in the country in the Mm -hmm. Boston area. Like he is a Boston guy. So that's, you know, when I heard that he was a candidate, it was like, okay, I can understand why BC is interested in him right off the jump. It was like, of course, Boston college is interested in him. That would be a coup for them because like Dan mentioned, who is, who is Boston college historically gotten that has the credentials that Bill O'Brien has. I mean, Dan, a BC alum can't name one. Couldn't name one. Yeah. I mean, I, this is probably the the most accomplished coach they've like entering the job that Boston College has ever had at at the time that they hired them. Yes. Tom Coughlin was also a head coach at Boston right. College. Right. At the time of hiring. At the time of hiring, of course, but, right. But that happened after the fact. But yeah, right. at the, at the right. time that they brought him in, I'm not sure I could ever find anybody that an important had a distinguishing argument, point. you know, yeah, going against what Bill O'Brien has on his resume at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I to, just to finish, I thought 
you know, I thought BC would be very interested. Of course they would be. They're going to be spraying the board. Weird time to hire a coach. They got to just see who is interested, right? So they're going to cast a very wide net. And Dan mentioned that. Made a lot of sense to me. Of course they would. Bill O'Brien being interested, like it, it being mutual interest, I bought right away. I was like, you know what? The only reason why I was a little skeptical is because like he just got to Ohio State. But again, that's like a matter of pay. And it's also a matter of fit. That the Ryan Day point of like Ryan Day coaching at BC in the past, him being on the same staff as Halfley. I thought Dan's point about Ryan Day kind of selling Halfley on BC a little bit was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he sell Bill O'Brien on it and be like supportive of that move? And also like Ohio State knew this was coming too. I mean, it basically immediately after Bill O'Brien uh, gets the opportunity at bc almost immediately ohio state's hiring chip kelly as their offensive coordinator i mean they knew it was coming so i don't know (laughs) um on a scale mike from couldn't have done any worse to couldn't have done any better for boston college where does this hire fall in your mind (laughs) They certainly could have done worse. Oh, oh. Totally. I won't argue that for a second. <laughs> certainly could have done worse. I don't know who they're hiring that's better. Mm-hmm. I don't. Like, they, they went from Jagodzinski. Did they go from Jagodzinski to, to Adazio? They had somebody in between, mm-hmm. didn't they? Yeah, it feels like there was somebody in between. Give me a yeah. second, I'll find out. Yeah, somebody's going to be screaming at their <laughs> computer, radio, whatever. It just, I don't know who they could have gotten at, especially at this stage of the cycle, too. Like, again, you got to mm-hmm. remember, this is a really tough time to go and hire a, a college football coach. Yeah, yeah, the timing is weird. And we talked about with Dan on the previous podcast is like, d- do you try to make a full-time hire at this moment or do you just stick with somebody internal, have an uh, interim year and then figure it out in November, December of 24? Like, I think that's a valid option. And also it was uh, Jagosinski. I don't, he didn't resign. Was he fired? Was he shown the door? I don't know. That what was the, the whole was. thing where he was flirting with a NFL job, the jets or something. Yeah. And the AD hated that he did that. And that was, so that. then he was gone. And uh, Frank Spaziani came oh, in for Sp- four okay, years. Sp- Thank you. Spaziani. So it was, it was Jagosinski, then Spaziani, then Adazio. So, okay. Yeah. I knew we were missing someone there. Spaziani, of course. Okay. So, I mean, just look at kind of the recent history. Like, I don't know who they would have done better when, especially when you consider like time in the cycle, but even mm-hmm. if they went that route that you just mentioned, where they like kind of hire almost like an extended interim and then kind of roll the dice again next year, mm-hmm. kind of, I, I don't want to say similar to what Georgia Tech did with Brent Key, but like if Georgia Tech did not play particularly well this year under Key, like, do you think they would have considered, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but like if it was like real bad, right, coming off of an interim situation last year where they kind of made him the full-time coach. And then if he flamed out, like I don't think Georgia tech would have been afraid to pull the plug potentially. 
now it's a money there's a money thing at play yeah. at Georgia Tech and I fully acknowledge that but like just from a theoretical standpoint well and and what I'm thinking if it had been like bad 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 like 2 and 10 1 and 11 you know something awful yeah the, the contract was structured in a way that like you you probably could have figured out a way out of it you know like right even after just one year like so that's that, kind of the parallel I'm trying to draw with BC. Mm-hmm. Like if BC did that, even if they went that route and like whoever the interim, Al Wajian, great example, was on the staff, mm-hmm. make him the interim, make him like whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out, let him go. Even if they get in the cycle early, like what are they doing at BC? Like direction of hiring. Dan didn't even know going into this. Yeah. Are, are they doing kind of what they did last time, like an up and coming like assistant coach are they going to hire a a coordinator from p5 are they hiring a g5 head coach you know kind of doing what syracuse did with dino like is that what they're doing so i i'm a fan of the hire because we've seen him have success at both levels uh college and the nfl we've seen him have recent college success as a coordinator obviously he's highly thought of from an x's and o's standpoint from Belichick to Saban um, to Ryan Day, who wanted to have him as his OC. Like, I, I think from a game preparation standpoint, I think BC will be prepared. I think they'll be tough to play against, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The question for me is recruiting. Like, mm-hmm. what's recruiting going to look like? It's going to certainly look different from Jeff Halfley. Mm-hmm. And they were recruiting at a really high level and they weren't putting it together on the field at a level that you would expect with the types of kids they were recruiting. We hadn't seen it in, you know, the last three cycles when they were recruiting really well for Boston College. I think O'Brien's going to get more out of that type of talent. The question is, like, is he going to land the high three stars at a cl- and, and low fours in a way that Halfley was? That's the biggest question for me. Yeah. Biggest question is the recruiting piece. Totally, totally valid. I, I tweeted out something shortly after the news became official that the, that Boston college was hiring Bill O'Brien. And I basically said, I think that Syracuse has a better chance of hitting their ceiling as a program under Fran Brown than Boston college has under Bill O'Brien. And that, you know, Writing that out sounds like it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, it's a bait on the end of a, a fishing line. You know, I'm, I'm trying to hook someone in. What, what I meant by that, Mike, was I feel like there is a there's an unknown to Fran Brown that he's he's extremely well regarded as a recruiter. And there is a decent shot that he can get Syracuse's roster as good as it could possibly be. In, from a talent standpoint, from a talent standpoint in in college football, 2024, 2025, you know, the, the modern era. And as a head coach, he's a total unknown, which means yeah. he might he might be awful. He might be really good. Yeah, like, right. There, there's an unknown like range there that the ceiling could be really, really high. To me, Bill O'Brien is in a way kind of a known quantity mm-hmm. I, and, and what i mean by that is that i don't think that boston college under bill o'brien is ever going to be bad 
Right. Like I, I think worst case, worst case, you're probably talking about like four and eight on a given year. Like I think almost year over year, they're going to be a bowl team like six and six. But my thing with Bill O'Brien is like, when's the last time that you saw Bill O'Brien uh, associated with an offense that you're like, they're doing something really creative, new, unusual, uh, like fancy. Not new and unusual. I mean, the, the, the time at Alabama with Bryce Young is like the development of Bryce Young is, I think, what you point to. Did he did he develop that much? Under he was O'Brien? his coordinator f- for the the two of the years. Okay, okay, I, I, fine. One of one of the Heisman Trophy, they averaged forty points per game. Right? I just he he just to and, me he, like he has never been like an innovator in the last. 15 years schematically it's not, it's not no no and nothing they were doing at alabama was like overly innovative mm-hmm. they were they were good they were very good i mean it's not, it's even, consistent. not even good they were very good it's effective it worked like it it works mm-hmm. but like the whole thing with the texans right like he was he was the head coach and and i i kind of forget but there were times that he was the play caller there was times he wasn't like Sometimes George Godsey was the OC. Sometimes he was just the the quarterback coach. I can't really remember it. It seemed like it fluctuated like every year, but like they were never bad. Yeah. And, and even at times prior to Deshaun Watson joining there, like they were able to cobble together, like playoff resumes with Ryan Fitzpatrick and some like rando dudes at quarterback and stuff like he can cobble some stuff together and get he's going to have to do that the playoffs. Yeah. He's, he's going to have to do that at BC too. Right. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's going to have to do that because there's going to be years where you're just from a talent standpoint. I don't care how well you're recruiting from a talent standpoint, you're going to be at a disadvantage from some of the other schools in the ACC because you can't recruit the type. Halfley Halfley did a good job recruiting. But mm-hmm. this isn't like a top 30 program from a recruiting standpoint. Mm-hmm. It never has been. Nope. Full stop. Nope. So you're going to have to cobble it together every year. And some years you're really going to have to cobble it together. And I think so, he's going to get the most out of the talent he has. But, like, I, I think he's going to get more. If he's able to recruit like Halfley, he's going to get more out of it. Mm-hmm. I think he's. they're going to be better coached than they were under Jeff Halfley. If they can recruit kind of how they did under Halfley, then I think you have an eight-win ceiling. You have an eight, some years maybe a nine-win ceiling. Maybe you're like a top third of the conference team. And, okay, are, are you in? It, it's a 12-team playoff now. Mm-hmm. I don't think BC is competing for a 12-team playoff, but yeah. are they a top 20, a fringe top 25 team? I think they can be on, on some of their better years for the sure. Year, sure, yeah, yeah. So, what more can you ask for at Boston College? So, all I'm saying is, yes, O'Brien's his his track record and and what he is and who he is. Boston College will at least be a, a bowl eligible team, basically year in and year out. Like there there is a chance that it. They they miss a bowl game here or there on a quarterback injury or you know something kind of fluky happens but like right. this is a high floor hire for Boston very, College they will very high be, floor they will never be bad under under Bill O'Brien my thing is that he's not Jamie Chadwell or he's not like someone who's going to do something schematically that will take a team that is is 
average from a talent standpoint and elevate them to win nine, 10 games and, and all of a sudden maybe make the playoff or something. I, I think this is a high floor, low ceiling higher is what I'm saying. This is, and I'm not saying that's wrong, you know, or not saying it's right. Like I'm just, it, that's what I think it is. I, I think you, you could have done someone that will get you higher, but this is, this is, he, they will never be bad. They will never be bad under Bill O'Brien. My other thing too, is like, do you necessarily, and I, your points are well taken for sure. My, my next question is like, do you necessarily have to be innovative to get the absolute most out of the talent you have at BC? Or do you simply just have to be a better football coach? This is what I mean by that. Think of the coaches they've had recently, right? Spaziani, who I forgot about, right? We just had this conversation 10 minutes ago. We were talking about this. I forgot about Spaziani. His teams were decent. Jack Kaczynski's teams were decent. Adazio, consistently a bowl team, and Halfley gone to bowl games. But they've been a seven-win program for a really long time, right? So by just coaching the X's and O's, and Bill O'Brien, by the way, he's got a resume better than any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Can you get more out of the talent that you have just from a straight X's and O's standpoint by just doing what you've always done? Do you necessarily have to be innovative to take Boston College to like a level greater than they're at right now. Maybe you have to be an innovator and, and have like a different offense. Maybe you have to be like a Chadwell with what he built at Coastal and what he's doing at Liberty now. Like maybe you have to be a Chadwell to all of a sudden like take any talent and, and take them like 10, 11 wins or something. Maybe you have to be that to reach the absolute ceiling. But also like what if this, what if O'Brien just goes in and coaches X's and O's better than the guys that have come before him with average talent? Like, what if he just coaches them better? Those were six and seven win teams with those coaches. None of them were doing anything innovative, right? Yeah. Like, what if he just coaches them a little bit better with just stand more standard stuff, stuff that you it's more vanilla, right? Like, Chadwell's mm-hmm. got the pistol option run and shoot thing that's, like, very difficult to defend. Mm-hmm. But, like, O'Brien runs, like, the run-in-the-mill, like, spread offense at the college level that's been effective everywhere he's been with more talent. Like, yeah. What if he just coaches that a little bit better at BC? Can he get BC to an eight or nine win ceiling? That's what I'm curious about, and that's the that's the question we're going to get an answer to. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, and it's going to it's going to give credence to your point too about they should have gone for someone more innovative too. I mean, we're going to get the answer to that. We're going to know like if he's just winning seven or eight games a year, we're going to be like, okay, maybe the next guy is the innovative hire. And, and, and I don't want to say that they should have gone for someone more innovative. What, I, what I'm saying is that I, I think this hire limits your ceiling. I, I think you could have a higher ceiling. Does someone recruit better than Bill O'Brien? Maybe. Re- recruiting at Boston College in 2024 is so wildly different than recruiting at Penn State and 2012 and 2013 just like i said it's like when christ walked the earth is what i think i said to dan rubin yeah like on every level not only what penn state was going through at the time but that's penn state versus boston college and it's 2012 and 2013 college football versus 2024 college. like it's such a different discussion everything's different everything everything is different. everything like you know and and so i, I think there are higher variants 
higher ceiling hires you could have made, i.e., again, Fran Brown, I think is a higher variance, potential higher ceiling guy. But again, I, I think this is a high floor, you'll never be bad, you'll never be embarrassed kind of kind of thing where I mean, this is a guy who, again, for what five years at, with the Texans, he he won the AFC South four of the five times, and the the one year in between, Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt both tore the ACLs in the first month and a half of the season. Like, right? You know this this guy uh, has overseen some positive, you know, good football at the very highest level. Ball coach, yeah, yeah, you, you know. You, you could do a hell of a lot worse than this. So yeah. um, credit to Boston College. That That's, you know, that that's good. I don't know exactly how well it'll go, but again, you'll never be bad. And the culture will be pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. it, aside from he's from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. just if you can rebuild the culture at Penn State with what they went through, mm-hmm. you could. It, it, that's like an ice to an Eskimo thing in terms of like <laughs> conceptually, like how you can build a program like he's shown that he can do it in the worst possible situation. And I just feel like obviously he's not walking into a situation quite as dire, right. As he was walking yeah. to at Penn state over a decade ago, it's a lot different, but I just think he's the culture is never going to be real bad. I don't think. And the team's going to be well coached and couple that with the fact that he's from there. I just think it's, it's a good hire. It yeah. is a good. I think it's. A, I think it's a very good hire. Last thing I'll say, and and we talked a little bit with Dan about this. I think. I think it was on the recording. I can't remember. We, we talked a lot with Dan tonight, but um, the one thing I'll say, having lived in Houston throughout his entire tenure here with the Texans, um, he he had an odd relationship with the media here, and he can be a bit of a prickly guy. And and has a little bit of that air about him that he feels like he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, don't know how that plays in college versus the NFL. Um, and but one of the things we you know we talked a little bit with Dan about was, I mean that plays very differently in Boston, and in Boston culture versus in in the South. You know and. Yeah. and kind of being direct and, and being a little bit confrontational might play much more normally and, and, and uh, comfortably in Boston than it did uh, here in Houston. I think local media got a little bit irritated trying to get anything out of him because he was very, it, they kind of came across combative. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think ultimately I, I'm not going to say this is a bad hire. Good hire, and uh, you know, Boston College, you could have done a hell of a lot worse than this. With you. So, uh, Mike, a couple other newsy things. What do you think? Quickly. We'll, we'll do it quickly. Yeah, do it quickly. It's late. Yeah. Biggest newsy things we have to hit on, and it's it's odd that we feel like we have to hit on this, but um, a position coach has left the, uh, the college ranks and gone to the NFL, and I, I say that, that we have to hit on this because – this is Pitt defensive line coach Charlie Partridge. Um, and if, if you're unaware of who he is, he's been with Pitt since 2017 under Pat Narduzzi, which is almost the entirety of the Narduzzi era. And if you if you start doing a little bit of mental math, you might come up with the fact that uh, Pitt has taken in just a boatload of like three-star grade defensive linemen and turned them into NFL like 
first two to three round draft picks and yeah. guys that have you know led or damn near led the ACC in sacks and tackles for loss and like this program has developed monster defensive linemen after monster defensive linemen and it feels like a lot of that development has been attributed to Charlie Partridge and as some of what we've talked about recently of you know this trend of moving from college to the NFL Charlie Partridge uh is part of that and I I just feel like that is a a concerning move for Pittsburgh that that is a hard guy to replace and and get equivalent production from a uh a, a coaching standpoint and it's been an average defense for the last two seasons now mm-hmm. so they had a decent defense uh when they won the ACC title with Kenny Pickett but it's been kind of a weird defense the last two years um not nearly as good up front uh which is interesting because we're speaking about their defensive line coach <laughs> leaving they weren't getting they weren't getting home up front the last two seasons in the way that they had in years past they've had some issues in the secondary it just hasn't been as strong of a defensive unit they haven't been terrible but they haven't been great either and they're in a spot now where you lose a guy who's been with Narduzzi, who's one of his most trusted assistants on the defense side of the ball, and he's jumping to the NFL. That is a huge name to replace on a team that's really predicated on how they play defense, right? If they, if they play well defensively, short of that ACC title year, that this has been a defensively minded program under Narduzzi. Of course it would be. He's a former defensive coordinator. Yep. So I think this is a pretty significant loss. Uh, we'll see how it plays out in the fall and how the defensive line looks, how the defense as a whole looks coming off of a down year for Narduzzi. But, you know, we talked to Jim Hammett uh, on the early signing day back in December, and he mentioned that, you know, Narduzzi obviously has built up enough goodwill that they should be okay. Mm-hmm. We talked to him very briefly. Uh, on signing day, and I yes. still can't believe that we asked him to do that and that he did it. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned Narduzzi isn't really an ace or a trouble. But this is the kind of stuff that starts happening, though, right? Where, like, you have a bad year and then you lose a couple of assistants or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's starting to go downhill. I mean, Pitt's already trying to figure out the offensive side of the ball, right? Um, they got some questions there. So it's just, you know, just something to monitor. Yep. Uh, two things real quick. First of all, if it if it wasn't clear at this point, Mike, this is – by definition, a pit football podcast, as you'll note by me wearing my beautiful new uh, home field apparel shirt, showing the score of a just glorious, glorious game in pit football history. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that again one day soon. Uh, number two, Pat Narduzzi has named Tim Doust the uh, the replacement there for Charlie Partridge on the defensive line, uh, defensive line coach, and I. I feel like it's worth pointing out that Tim Douse, his name, his last name has six letters. Three of them are vowels and they're all in a row. Uh, D-A-O-U-S-T. So that, that that's, a, that's a lot of vowels in a row, but it somehow works. Uh, more vowels than games Pitt won last year. <laughs> this is nothing if not a uh, Pitt and spelling podcast so uh, and, thank you for and that. it's just i mean that's just math it's just uh, it's a fact i don't know it's just math that's just math uh mike we also got news this week that the ncaa moving forward with incorporating 
some sideline technology, I guess, that <laughs> has been available in the NFL for, I don't know, a decade or more. Uh, there's been like memes of quarterbacks on the sidelines spiking tablets and stuff and people yes. all pissed off and stuff. And then like you watch college football and we've got these signs with like emojis and stuff that people are holding up on the sidelines and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, seems like we might be modernizing college football a little bit during the game. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's fine. You won't have a Connor Stallion situation. <laughs> Then the what are we going to name awards after, Mike? The, the next one will be more elaborate, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we, we named an award after Kobe Bryant, uh, the former Queen of England, and Brian Van Gorder. I think we'll be just fine. Connor Stallions is uh, honored to be in that esteemed group of people. Um, yeah, the U Lied Award or whatever we're calling it. <laughs> the uh, Connor Stallions Steal of the Week. Actually. Steal of the Week, thank what, you. What, yeah. what, what it was, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, very much a uh, like an about time kind of situation of like, what were we doing before? Um, and it seems yeah. like, you know, there, there's nobody in the ACC. I mean, it, it, I, I feel like programs that are opposed to this are like aggressively underfunded that like can't handle this or, you know, feel like that this would be like a an anti-competitive thing. But like everyone in the ACC can handle this from a financial standpoint, putting a headset and the quarterback's helmet and the middle linebacker's helmet or whatever, like you, you'll figure that out. And maybe not wake forest, but <laughs> well, they just like leave their playbooks on the sidelines. Right. And let other people. There it is. Them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. There, it is. there it is. That's there right. It is. There That's right. Anyways. Shout out Shane Beamer. <laughs> that was, uh, was that, was, was that, uh, hang on. That was, um, that was Petrino. That's Petrino Louisville. Wasn't it? Yes, I think I, yeah, I think so. It well, was. yeah, because Shane was on. Shane was on Frank's staff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was Petrino time frame. Yep. Way key leaks. That was a good time in this podcast history. All right. It was. That was post um, uh, post uh, motorcycle accident. Yeah. Right, so so. Uh, sh- shout out to Connor Stallions. No more decoding the uh, four emojis on the big poster board on the sidelines anymore. Moving on to some. Yeah, moving on to some other in sports. That's right. That's right. Uh, last thing, Mike, we got really honestly the biggest news of the day that we got today is that um, our lives are going to get way, way better starting. Well, there, there's a full reveal in May and then I assume in early July. Yeah, I'm going to be putting parental, you know, all parental duties aside. So locking yourself I, in a room. I haven't run that by my wife yet, but I think it's just something I'm going to have to do. Uh the EA Sports college football game is coming back. And I know there's been rumors about it. They've already, you know, they've been talking about a 2024 release for the better part of two years. Uh, there were people online saying, is this game really coming back? Because it's February. We haven't heard anything until today. Uh, there was a trailer that came out today. There's a full reveal coming in May, and the game is going to be released in June. So if you're a sicko like me and you're ready to lead like Arkansas Pine Bluff to a national championship, then. You better get all jazzed up. You have a few months left of, you know, work and uh, raising children and whatever else you do in your free time while you're listening to this podcast. You have a little bit a little bit more time to get that done. I expect our listenership numbers to decline a little bit because I think everybody will just be too busy playing the game. So that's going to be busy. So 
just plan your summer vacations around the video game release and just you know be careful in terms of time management is what i would say <laughs> sorry i'm busy writing that writing that down uh i have to remind myself because I might absolutely fall into that hole here in a few months looking forward to it yes yeah down the rabbit hole we go there were there were a couple of uh stray group texts about you know possibly having some sort of hypothetical listener online dynasty situation we don't know what the features of the game are at this not point. yet um we, we are unlikely have time you know to do this as people but if you're interested basketball conference podcast gmail.com you know the the first people to get in are probably the likely ones to to get in on it actually if uh if if such a thing is possible so the andrew parkers of the world the chris grondons of the world mm-hmm. uh the stevens of section 103 of the world like those are the people <laughs> who are probably going to get in quick because we know they're going to i mean, and I, there's listeners i'm forgetting they're gonna be real salty mm-hmm. but those are people we're going to hear from first that's right i feel it that's right so hit us up if you're interested Keith in Derek. such a Keith Derek, I'll throw him Keith in too. Derek, that's right, that's right. Yep. Yeah, there, there's people we're forgetting for sure, and I'm, I'm, I apologize if we are. It's one thirty in the morning. It Eastern. It is. Uh, on that note, Mike, should we get out of here? Yeah, we should. I'm gonna come back and keep uh, doing some state of the team, state of the. Programs. Yeah, we're calling it that too. I don't know if people. So, uh, what happened is Joey and I took a while to record you know, the season recaps and now we're leaking into spring practice here starting soon. So we're just calling this the state of the program series. And that's what we're going to continue to call it in the off seasons to come. So there we go. There's the announcement. I lost my voice for like a week and it's only mostly back. So yeah, you weren't on the last podcast I recorded with David Cunningham tech sideline. He missed you. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had an opportunity to, to discuss our record predictions for Virginia Tech. David and I said five and seven. You said four and eight. We we brought that up, how we were yeah. all wrong somehow. You guys are really high on the Hokies in 2024, too. Dude, um, why? First in the country in returning production from a seven-win team. Wouldn't you be jazzed up, too? <laughs> we'll talk about that next time. Uh, Give me some hope, Joey. <laughs> Give me some hope for eight wins. Uh, I, I think eight wins totally on the table, by the way. Okay. Uh, okay. Like That's good. High returning production. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good stuff for, uh, okay. Fry. Sounds yes. good. You go with that. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter, uh, at give me the Mayo Joey. bowl. Give me the Mayo bowl, Joey. <laughs> give me the Mayo bowl. That's success criteria. The success criteria is Mayo bowl or better for sure. For sure. At FJRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel SI, together at BC Podcast ACC, at BC Dan Rubin uh, for our guy, Dan. Uh, if you're trying to find any sort of Boston College news, he's got you. Uh, basketball Conference Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. iTunes, Spotify. Is it still iTunes? Apple Music? Apple Music. Um, yeah. Google Music, U- YouTube Premium, whatever that is. Uh, Spotify. Anywhere you find your podcast, go find us there. Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rate, review, YouTube. subscribe. Com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell icon for more. And uh, we appreciate that. Mike, anything else? We are good. Come back soon. Talk some more ACC football. Let's do it. Love it. All right. 
For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Dan Rubin, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk again very, very soon. Until then, go ACC.